It's Cofield and Company. We're just basically sitting around. I try to drink 10 beers in an hour, get annihilated, curse a lot. Good Lord, Cofield. You have eaten your share of hot dogs in your life. Have you not? I'm an American. I don't want to be muzzled. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company, Adam Candy is the company. DeMond's running the show. Big Tuesday show on the way. We'll get into the Stanley Cup final in just a little bit. Top five draft preview in the 4 o'clock hour. If you don't know, the NBA draft is going on. On Thursday, we'll have coverage starting at 4.30. We'll have an early start on Thursday from Silver 7s, 2 o'clock to 4.30 as we head right into the number one pick. And there's some intrigue right now about the number one pick. We'll talk about the betting on the number one pick later on with Sam Paniotovich. Candy, what's up, buddy? Man, it is the dog days of summer, Cofield. I'm just glad to have a little uh, little, little form to let the rage out here. So give me your description of the dog days of summer, because I swear to God, I was driving in uh, just a few minutes ago, and I'm like, man, my car's pumping out air conditioning. It's kind of cold. Like, I'm, I've actually, I'm like, I think I'm in the 1% minority in town who's like, why isn't it 105 yet? What's going on here with this 93 stuff? Oh, I hear you. I hear you on that. Uh, and, and you are the 1%, but you've always been the 1%. Uh, just a, a different way of putting it. Like, when we talk about <laughs> it with the heat, uh, it, it is very visceral how I measure it. I measure in butt sweat. Yep. If we are Me at too. the temperature where my butt is sweating, then it is too warm. If I have to get back from walking the dog and find a washcloth, yeah. it is too hot. Yeah, you know what? I misspoke there. It's not For me, it's not about uh, butt sweat. It's about moob sweat. Like, I know it's nice and toasty when my uh, pouty boobs are sweating a little bit. But this is also, it's the natural way of shade, uh, shedding a little bit of the bulk that I put on. Which, by the way, speaking of, I need you to go into some good rants here so I can laugh. Because also on the drive over to work, I had a little problem here. Um, I made myself a little, a little dish of meats and some pickles, right? So uh, a little snack on the way, right? I got to hold me over for like three hours, right? Uh, otherwise, I could just, I'd be famished. I would waste away. Um, I bite into the first pickle, and I'm like, that's a cucumber. I'm like, why do we have, and I'm directing this at the SO, any of her friends, she doesn't listen. Why don't we have designer cucumbers in our fridge? It's one of the great mysteries. Why are, She's paying extra money for like fancy little cucumbers, which I mistook for a pickle. How did you get fooled by this? Pickles come in a jar. It's in some sort of plastic uh, paper bin thing. I, I don't know. I just assumed it was pickles. I bite into it. It's a cucumber. It's not the same thing. Corn beef with a cucumber is not corn beef with a pickle. You, sir, told me just moments ago yes. that you are trying to get rid of a little bit of the moob. You don't get rid of the moob with meats. You can't get rid of the moob with what do you meats. Mean? It's, it's more cucumbers I, it's no more bread. Pickles. It's no bread. It's meat and vegetable. Oh, I'm sorry, keto. you're on Atkins. Why didn't you tell me? Keto. It's keto, it's keto diet, which That's I follow right. very Atkins loosely. Keto now. Sorry. Very, I follow very loosely. All right, let's do it, Damon. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Uh, let's go back to the U.S. Open for a second. Uh, first of all, did pretty well in the ratings, Candy, without Tiger Woods there. That's a good number. Peaked at like $9 million and a total audience of about $5.5 million. That's good for golf. You had the perfect storm. You had the formula for post-Tiger World in golf to get people into it. Just about everybody in that top 10 was a name golfer, 
and they were all trading the lead back and forth. You had the perfect scenario for dads wasting away on their couch on Father's Day to be like, oh, I'm not leaving this. And they had a really good tournament. How much did you watch on Sunday? Uh, back and forth between the Yankee game and the U.S. Open until the Yankee game was over, and then uh, I was glued to the rest of it. That the the Matt Fitzpatrick shot at the end was really that's why we tune in, like to watch some dude hit a shot that nobody could even dream of. Like that was unbelievable. Did you bet it? I bet it. Uh, I came away with a small loss tournament wide. Um, I faded hard against the. Uh, what are we calling it? Live LIV Saudis. What, what are we calling it? Yeah, whatever we're calling it. Uh, faded hard against those guys. Got caught uh, by Dustin Johnson, not completely imploding, and so yeah, not bad. So, did you bet Brooks Kepka? Not part of Live at the time. I actually you know, here's the hilarious part of this. Uh, Brooks was not part of Live at the time, and everywhere you looked, there were Dustin Johnson Brooks Kepka matchups in what used to be the prime jerk-on-jerk jerk of whoa, whoa. the PGA Tour before Bryce and Patrick Reed came around. So, yes, I did have some Brooks money, which didn't work out. By well. the way, I love that. Excuse me. There's a prime jerk-on-jerk because jerk, there's so many jerks to pick from, so many potential matchups. Is that what you're saying? Well, the beauty of it, yes, there actually is. And now the beauty of it is that they're all going to the same tour to play together. It's yes. Like, it's like basically if you took – WWF, WWE, and took all the heels and put them on their own tour, that's what you got. So if you listened last week and if you paid attention to golf, you listened to Cofield and Company, you paid attention to golf, uh, you noticed that Brooks Kepka before the event, was getting annoyed. Well, I mean, he's part of the PGA Tour. He hasn't bolted at that time for live and the money. And I thought his demeanor was a bit weird. This was Adam Hill and I talking about the tournament as Kepka was getting irked on Wednesday. Like, I legitimately don't get it. I'm tired of the conversations. I'm tired of all this stuff. Y'all, like I said, y'all are throwing a black cloud on the U.S. Open. I mean, it's a situation. Why have you decided to stay on the PGA Tour, and is that a permanent decision? I mean, there's been no other option to this point. So uh, where else are you going to go? Live. You know what's funny? As I watch this, I'm like, I think he's been offered. And I think he's thinking about going. I mean, how much would it, they're paying Bryson DeChambeau $100 million? Yeah. Why? I mean, why go. wouldn't they go after Kepka for 150? He'll probably go. There you go. He'll probably go. What happened today? Brooks Kepka, Candy, he gone. I'm having Shawshank flashbacks, like <laughs> Brooks walking in with a putter, carving into the sand trap. <laughs> Brooks was here, yeah. and just taking off for live. I love that. Like I said, it was so easy to read. Why is he so grumpy? Last Wednesday, we're just asking about a rival golf tour, and you know, questions of importance. You know, going all the way up to Phil Mickelson not giving a crap about getting a letter from 9/11 families, and Kepka is like all weird. It's like there's something going on here. Yeah, he was. Like, ah, this is it. I'm going after this. I just don't want to tell you. And again, this has been, for me, much of the issue. If you want to go and get the money, okay, just say it. Stop. I mean, his whole thing last week was like, you guys are toxic in the media. I mean, you, you're keeping this thing alive. Are you going or not, Brooks? And then four days later, oh, I'm going. Well, you got to make sure you keep the enemy the enemy, right? If there's one enemy that everyone can agree on, live golf or PGA Tour, it's the media. Yeah. So if you can find some sort of a straw man to prop up and knock down, then maybe people won't notice that you went and took the murder money. You're right. The the uh, the enemy is. By the way, I because I've seen comments. You know, I forget who someone wrote yesterday about uh, you know kind of backing Kepka. Um, 
And someone wrote, like, finally, someone in the media gets it. Like, I think the media is 50-50 on this thing. We played, I mean, two of the biggest talking head TV voices. We played both Stephen A. and Colin Cowherd last week saying, yeah, we back the players. We'd like them to tell the truth, but we back the players. We know the PGA can be kind of, you know, crappy sometimes uh, in terms of having their thumb on the players. It's not, you know, these are first-world problems. It's not like any of these golfers were struggling for a living. But, uh, yeah, that whole the media is the enemy. No, if you want to get mad at the portion of the media that, frankly, is doing their job, they're asking questions and they're trying to get information, you go ahead and do so. But uh, the if what Mickelson and Norman stated from the beginning was the super rich guys with the PGA were the problem, and now they're going to have to face off against, like, the unbelievably super rich guys, the Saudis, behind that tournament. So you you pick your enemy if you want. That's That's fine. I don't know what... The latest enemy is for Deshaun Watson. He's been kind of quiet, and for good reason. I don't, you know, this is not a situation he can handle. So, Candy, tell people what happened today, because it looks like, are we in the clear now on Deshaun Watson? It looks like he settled with most of the accusers, the alleged victims. Yeah, there's a big difference between coming toward a resolution and in the clear, because I think we're coming toward a resolution with Deshaun Watson. As we heard from Tony Busby, uh, the attorney for most of those women who. We're suing Deshaun Watson. The 20 of the 24 cases are going to be settled. Uh, Deshaun Watson, who very famously stated not that long ago that he was going to fight all of these cases to prove that he was innocent, uh, he's going to write the check. Yeah, he's he's going to write the check and try to get ready to, you know, I don't know what moving on looks like, but for whatever it looks like to him, he's going to try to move on. However, let's keep something in mind. Four of the 20 women are not settling. And if we, from the beginning of this thing, Cofield, if there were four allegations of sexual misconduct against Deshaun Watson, we still would have looked at it as, wow, that's pretty bad. And now that there are 24 allegations, and now, what, we're minusing 20 of those, I still think we're looking at it and saying, there's still some problems here. So Deshaun Watson, I don't think, is anywhere near in the clear, but in terms of getting a resolution to the ongoing civil cases hanging over him, yeah, we're getting close. On the way back, let's talk a little baseball. We'll get some more Watson later on, but a hometown hero last night made his major league debut and freaking knocked it out of the park. Not a home run, but a big, big night. Getting a shot in the big leagues. The Buckos have done it. How about it? Ah, Pittsburgh Pirates. We're family. Parker, Starjoel. I mean, everybody was in the paper. Our song was like, <gasps> what does this, this mean? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Blending the old with the new. Nice job by the Vast Sound crew here at Lotus Broadcasting. Malai Madris, a local called up by the Pirates, has a big night. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. And then, of course, Adam Candy remembers. I think he does. He's not that much younger than I, although I think you were pretty young in 1979. You remember the uh, We Are Family Pirates? I mean, I was three months old, but sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was uh, big uh, big on Pop Stargell and the, and the We Are Family Pirates. There you go. Sister Sledge was all fired up. They're like, what the hell's going on? We're in Germany, and our record's blowing up because uh, Kent Colby's out there uh, bumping uglies doing disco. Which is quite the image, if you remember Kent Ticoli. Boy, I'm making some old references. Woo. Woo. Wow. Yeah, I know. It happens, man. It happens. It's when the Pirates mattered, when the, when the Pirates' ownership cared, or as people in Pittsburgh have been brainwashed to believe, when the Pirates could actually compete because they weren't small market. 
which is a bunch of crap. We'll get to that in a couple minutes because uh, I just want to talk about the Yankees here and something real interesting aside from Bly Madras, the local kid, uh, Henderson kid, Pittsburgh also called up another elite prospect who I'm super fired up to watch. Candy Cofield. We were just talking about Brooks Kepka, now the latest golfer to bolt from the PGA. And I heard a lot, Candy, the last couple of weeks. You know, the other guys, oh, yeah, they're past their prime. Like, Brooks Kepka is still a pretty good freaking player. So this is big news. And that's why he was kind of acting squirrely last week before the tournament when he was saying, hey, you're ruining things here at the U.S. Open by asking about this Saudi tour. We got a couple of calls in on this. 364-1100-364-1100. We said repeatedly, I I don't care if they play. I don't care if they take the money. I would just be honest about it. Just be up front. Start playing games. Stop trying to blame other people. Just say you're going. That's what you want. You don't care where the money comes from. You know, we can play whataboutism all, all day long with prize money all over sports and where it comes from. Jim is up on Cofield and Company. He's been waiting a while. What's up, Jim? Hey, Steve. Nice talking to you again, brother. It's been a while. Uh, last time I talked to you, we were talking, talking about the NFL and uh, how Sundays have gone from religion to professional football. That's, of course, I'm getting loaded in my taxi right at the moment. Where are we going? Okay. So anyway, Be careful, Be careful Jim. Come on, man. Thing. Be careful. Go ahead. About this golf thing, all right, the live tour. Okay, you know, the Saudi thing aside and the investment money aside, yeah, I understand that, you know, but as a country, you know, we're, we, we don't take a stance. I'm not really concerned about the money. But this whole issue goes back 20, 30 years, and that's with the shark, Greg Norman. I don't know if you remember, but he tried to start a tour 30 years ago, and then Commissioner, I think it was Tim Finchin, uh, killed it. And But out of that, uh, out of killing Greg's idea, the World Golf thing, the World Golf Classic was created. You know, the one where all the tours play those five events during the year. So, you know, this is a 10, 12-week uh, uh, season. The DP Tour in Europe has already sanctioned their players to go play in it. Right. Lighten up a little bit. You know, it's, a, it's another way for them to make money great. They're going to they're gonna recruit, obviously, I think, uh, established stars that are already probably past their prime. Certainly, the bill is. And, you know, there's sort of an in-between. You're in your 40s before the senior tour. Or you're just a you know, superstar that they want. You know, might play a few events there. You know, it's it's uh, like the European Tour used to be. They used to have appearance money for the players. And uh, you know, lighten up on this. Let it let it play out. It's not going to affect the tour any. The majors shouldn't change or penalize these players for participating in those events. There's plenty of room, and certainly in sports, there's plenty of money to go around. I really honestly think the PGA needs to get off their high horse and just relax a little bit and let it play out. Whether it'll be successful or not, the PGA doesn't have to interfere. That'll be decided by the fans. Jim, good to hear from you, buddy. Get your uh, passenger safely to, I think it was Mandalay Bay. Appreciate the call. 364-1100-364-1100. Yeah, right now it's eight tournaments. I think the, the reason this is a story and that the PGA can't relax, Candy, is that I think the goal of the Saudis, and more specifically Norman and Mickelson, would be to bring the PGA and American golf to its knees 
and actually put events up with you know thirty and forty million dollars in prize money against the Masters, against the U.S. Open, against especially the PGA, and wouldn't that be a hoot in twenty twenty three? No one here is saying that the PGA Tour is blameless, right? Like no one is saying that. No one believes that the PGA Tour has acted well. So to take Jim's call. Boy, do, boy, the, the first like 10 words that Jim said are doing a lot of work in that one. And they say the whole Saudi thing aside. Right. Okay. Right. All right. If we're going to leave it completely to the side, then I think we're leaving a whole big piece of this discussion as to why the Saudis want to back this and why they want to do this. But if you're not here for that, then we can talk about the sports side and the fact that, yeah, they do want to bring the PGA Tour to its knees. You're right, Jim. Greg Norman's never been a big fan of Ponte Vedra Beach, and Phil Mickelson has had his problems over the years, too. But I think let's not get lost on the idea that it's all some 40-year-olds and guys who don't matter anymore. Dustin Johnson's 37. Brooks Kepka's 32. Abraham Answer is 31. They're going after the stars in their prime right now. They're going after the guys who they think are going to be TV draws, and they have unlimited money to do it. Now, I think what's interesting is that the PGA Tour today Responded. Mark Schleback at ESPN.com had a good article about hey how Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the tour, brought a plan to players and said, listen, we've got a plan where we're going to get you more purse money. We're going to get you some live-style tournaments. We're going to get you three tournaments a year that are limited field, no cut, $25 million guaranteed prize money. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's already had its effect. Yep. The tour is already fighting back. I saw some golf fans complaining that – well, that's too many events. I thought they were supposed to be an off-season. Seriously. Well, they're switching the schedule. I mean, look, they're switching the <laughs> schedule up anyway. Oh, no, man. That, that, that's, but that's a complaint that's legit about the tour. They went to this stupid wraparound schedule that is meant to keep interest all year long. And, hey, here in Vegas with our tournament, it worked out really well for us because we used to be the stepchild tournament nobody wanted to come to at the end of the season. But for the players, they want to have a defined off-season. Uh, we had Lou in the car earlier call in, just leave a message. He said, we're all culpable in this because we buy gas. From the Saudis. If I could, uh, if I could buy gas from koala bears and unicorns, I would. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kevin wants in on Cofield and Company. Kevin, how are you, buddy? Doing well. What do you got? Okay. What I was saying is, is where it seems the PGA Tour commissioner came out and said the Live Tour does not earn them world ranking points. So everyone that's leaving right now, they can play in the four majors. But pretty soon they're not going to have enough points to qualify. They've got to start doing Monday qualifiers to get in. And that's when I wonder if someone was going to start rethinking their position with the LIV tour because they're not set up for right. world rank. Well, I don't know. What would you do if you were guaranteed $100 million like Bryson DeChambeau, $200 million if you're Mickelson, I'm guessing 150 if you're Brooks Kepka. If they try to screw you up with the schedule and qualifying, you're just like, okay, well, then I'll move on. Right. I mean, those guys, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, their career is pretty much wrapped up into what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. But I think with the new guys coming out that want to get their names, right? I think the PGA Tour because they're they're televised, the sponsor money and everything else is still attached to the PGA Tour until that switches. Yeah, I think the new guys are who's going to affect the most, not the not the seasoned players. All right, real good information, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and and you know to that end, Cofield, yeah, the. Uh, they just applied, did the Live Golf Tour with Greg Norman for world golf ranking points. They're trying to get that. They yeah. realize that that's going to be a problem, and Liv is out there trying to get those points. I would be 
fairly surprised if that ends up being uh, the outcome. NBA Summer League is a little over two weeks away. Get your tickets now at UNLVTickets.com. They are on sale for July 7th to the 17th right here in Las Vegas. 11 days, 75 games. All 30 teams are represented. Most of the first-round picks will be here. Tickets start at 40 bucks. You're talking about 11 days of basketball right here in Las Vegas. And essentially, it's a world basketball convention. Luminary stars, coaches, past and present are all there. It's a great event to go to, not only for the basketball, but for the scene around the summer league and we're approaching what 20 years now in vegas has become an absolute institution over at cox pavilion and the thomas and mac unlvtickets.com is where you grab your tickets now back to cofield and company on espn las vegas adam candy's the company today Candy, can you imagine what it's like doing radio, sports talk radio in uh, Sacramento, Kansas City, or Pittsburgh? It's a joy. Well, why would you say it? We, we have fun every day. Well, Sacramento for basketball every year is about the draft. And if you get off to a good start, which I think the Kings did this year, there's a little bit of excitement. And then reality hits and you're like, ah, they're going to suck again. Uh, Kansas City, they have the Chiefs, but the Royals have been terrible forever. You know, I know a lot of people in Kansas City who do sports talk. I mean, they still grind out Royals talk. I don't know how they do it. And if you're in Pittsburgh, obviously, you're just waiting for the Steelers. Um, and you're trying to do Steelers 11 and a half months a year because the Pirates have been pathetic. They've given up. Uh, they're one of the teams that cries poor, even though they get uh, over $150 million from baseball every single year, which could easily field a competitive payroll. So then what you get excited about, and like I'm excited about it too, is you know the Bly Madresses of the world, who's a Foothill High School guy who came up yesterday, you know Vegas area guy, had a couple of hits and a steal. Um, but you're just waiting for your prospects all the time, right? And then and most of the talk is like, who are we going to deal at the break for more prospects, right? Uh, so I do want to mention O'Neill Cruz, though, because this is one of the more incredible prospects I think I've ever seen in my life in baseball. Are you familiar with this kid? The massive shortstop who's I've, doing everything well for them, yes. I've never seen anything like it. Like, As an example, A-Rod and Carlos Correa are gigantic dudes who played and play shortstop. Like, Carlos Correa looks like he's pushing you know, 6'4 and 230 pounds. Uh, A-Rod was a gigantic guy for shortstop. O'Neal Cruz is 6'7". Playing shortstop. And and he had a throw yesterday, and immediately the Pittsburgh announcers were like, oh, because that's what you get excited about when your team's on its way to, you know, 67 wins. Uh, but his arm is awesome. One of the announcers, of course, mispronouncing it, I think called him Sean Dunstan, but uh, was like, oh, that's a reminder for Cubs fans, Sean Dunstan, right? Um, a very interesting prospect, to say the least. 6'7", shortstop. By the way, on the Sean Dunstan thing, yeah. that dude was a terror in RBI baseball. Yeah. Like, they would make his arm the most ridiculous thing you'd ever seen. They couldn't account for anything else in the primitive 80s baseball games, yeah. but Sean Dunstan's yeah. arm everybody knew about. That's awesome. the, the, the wisdom on a kid like O'Neill Cruz is that 6'7 is too big to play shortstop, that you're not going to be athletic enough, you're not going to have the range. Here was the most amazing part of O'Neill Cruz just from last night. O'Neill Cruz last night had... The hardest hit ball of the year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The hardest thrown ball of the year by a fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, wow. And the three highest sprint speeds down the line for the Pittsburgh that. Pirates. He did everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, the mold is going to be broken as athletes get bigger and bigger. And 
you know, God forbid Major League Baseball actually catered to the entire country of the United States, right, and pulled athletes from all areas, you'd probably have more 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", dudes who might play baseball knowing that you could have a 20-year career or more. The real secret when it comes to Major League Baseball is that while disadvantaged communities have been pushed farther and farther from the game inside the United States, it is still the one sport where every contract is fully guaranteed. Like, that's why my kid would be going to play baseball. Right. Because it doesn't matter what you sign for. This ain't some sort of fake money football thing. Oh, wow, they're paying him $50 million. That's a $10 million guarantee. Yep. No, every dollar is guaranteed in baseball. I am going to raise a family of left-handed relievers. Yeah, and that's not to say pitchers aren't pulled from everywhere, because uh, we do have a lot of pitchers who now are you know six five to freaking six eleven, and in uh, in a lot of cases, like O'Neill Cruz is about two hundred ten, two hundred fifteen pounds. I mean, you got it's just it's a, some of the pitching staff now are incredible with the size of the dudes. You know, it's just it's a regular deal now that that you have uh, a bunch of guys on a particular staff who are six five, two fifty, or in the case of uh, Lance Lynn, six five and something big, something real big. Oh. Oh, Lance Lynn should be an inspiration to all move guys everywhere. Yes. Lance Lynn is not those aren't pouty. Those aren't pouty. Those are those are forceful. Those are some forceful that's a good word. moves, Lance Lynn. That's, is that's out a good there. word. Forceful. Six seven two eighty two. Six seven two eighty two. Big tight end or developing left tackle in the NFL? No, Aaron Judge. That's how big Aaron Judge is. So there there you go. There's a big athlete who's in the game and Listen, the fact that him and Stanton, for the most part, have been healthy, Candy, and their pitching has mostly stayed healthy except for the back end of the bullpen, has the Yankees at 50 and 17. 50 and 17. I'm scared. To get excited? I don't know how to accept this. (laughs) I don't really know how to get my head around how good they're turning out to be because when I looked at the roster preseason, I thought this was the third best team in the American League East and it's not even close. They're up 12 on Toronto. They're up 13 and a half on Boston. They're up 14 on Tampa. They have a pitching staff. All of them, all five of them have ERAs of 333 or below. If they were to hold on to that for the rest of the season, they would be the first team since the 1968 Athletics to have five starters do that. And right now, the highest ERA among their five starters belongs to Garrett Cole, who took a no-hitter into the eighth inning last night. So, Cofield, why can't I get okay with this? Why can't I get comfortable with this? I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. I thought when Chad Green blew his elbow out and Loisga got hurt and Chapman got hurt, I was like, yep, yep, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this because nothing good happens in the kid Steinbrenner era. But here we are. Seventh fastest club to reach the 50 win mark at this point in the season. Uh, Last team that did it this fast were the Mariners in 2001. That didn't turn out well. They got upset. They were 116 and 46. Yankees have won 17 of their last 19. They're 16 and 2 in June. And you know the last thing 99.9% of the Vegas uh, audience wants to hear is your worries as a Yankee fan about things falling apart. Because the Yankees, in spite of not winning a title since 2009 – people still consider them the biggest evil empire in all of baseball, if not all of sports. That's why I want to talk about this, because I know that people can relate. I understand that they feel my pain as a Yankees fan that I've only watched in my lifetime. I have only seen them win the World Series five times, and that is something that scares me that's never going to happen again. It's been a dark century! 
It's been a dark, dim Yankee century. Feel for us. Feel for us. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, I'm coming to you people for support. Get excited. What do you mean you don't, you don't know what to do? Get excited. Well, what happens if I get excited? They're going to crush my dreams. I have a friend. I have a friend who's from crush Pennsylvania. And he, he is he's a guy who is the most pessimistic Yankee fan I know. They were losing that game to Toronto on Sunday, and he's texting me about the bullpen falling apart. They have a nine-game winning streak, and he's texting me about the bullpen falling apart. And he didn't get to watch the game last night. He was out running his kids' Little League practice. And he's texting me during the game, and I'm like, yep, here it is, another game in Tampa where they find a way to lose on some weird thing, like the ball goes up and hits a catwalk and comes down on a 90-degree angle. Oh, no, Tampa got us again. And then all of a sudden, they find a way to win the game in the ninth inning, right? They, they, they pull it out in a game that they have no business pulling it out after they gave away the lead. And my most pessimistic Yankee friend in the world texts me. He's like, I was expecting when I watched the highlights that somehow that ball was still going to drop in the ninth inning. They weren't going to catch it. They're going to lose the game. And he writes, maybe, dot, 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 just maybe, question mark. Oh maybe the scrappy little Yankees that could are going to do it this year, baby. Gritty. Maybe the scrappy little yeah, Yankees that could. The gritty, gutty Yankees. Please stop. People are pulling over the run, off the road, vomiting. This is why... And, you know, I'm from one of these areas. This is why Boston, New York, and Philly fans are about as insufferable as any fan bases in this country. Kyrie, come to Houston, play for the Rockets. We'll let you play. It's a hell of a player. Uncle Drew's being benched. It's Cofield and Company. This is stupid. It's not health-related. It's not science-related. It's not medicine-related. It is political theater, and it's time for it to end. It's an oldie buddy goodie, right? No one cares more about NBA players than Ted Cruz. Has the back of Kyrie Irving. Obviously, Kyrie's big in the news right now. You know, we were just talking some New York sports about the Yankees and their success. Wanted to get into some hockey, maybe a little NFL. Based in New York, Sirius XM, Zig Fricasse's up with Cofield and Company with Adam Candy and Steve Cofield. Zig, how are you? Nay, hey, how's it going, brother? Been a minute. How you good. been? I'm good. I'm real good. How about you? Good, Andy. How are you? Well, Adam, Adam, let's get let's. Adam, that's I'm all sorry. right. That's all right. I got the A right, so well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good enough, right? Um, yeah. Hey, I saw that you. I don't remember the number, and I wanted to make an old guy joke, but I refrained from doing it. How you uh, you <laughs> sent out a tweet the other day about uh, how long you've been doing radio now? Uh, since Marconi. No, uh, actually, uh, gosh. Uh, well, th- that tweet I think you saw was the fact that was. Yes, that was 37 years ago that I had moved from uh, well from Niagara Falls. But I didn't get into radio right away. But uh, gosh, sports talk, Steve, you and I worked together over time. It's been yeah. like 30 years doing sports talk and other professional radio. It's been close to 35, so I've avoided work all this time. Well, congrats to you. I say the same thing. Anyone, anytime anyone says it's work, I'm like, it's uh, it's pretty easy, and I think it's actually gotten easier. There's more topics now than ever. And for Las Vegas, Zig, we've now got the NFL, and we've got the NHL, so that's kind of overtaken a lot of the stuff we used to speak about. So right out of the gates, i got to get your take. I know you were crowing about it the other day on Twitter that, you know, you know Bruce Cassidy, you know the Bruins. I know you're a Bruins fan back to, like, the, the 70s, so... What do you think? First of all, what do you think of the Bruins firing Bruce Cassidy to start? I was probably the least surprised person on earth that that happened, and I'll tell you why. When you listen to a coach or a GM basically 
speaking code like we need a change, even though the record tells you otherwise, then there there was something different there. So I, I could see this coming for a couple of reasons. One, I think now with Don Sweeney and Cam Neely in Boston, they're starting to feel the heat in terms of, you know, it's been, what, now 11 years since that last Stanley Cup, and uh, they, they've actually gone down in the playoffs now. The last couple of years it was in the second round. This year it was actually in the opening round. I think uh, what they're signaling, too, is they want a different style of play, and they're not sure that – and even Cassidy said this as much, but they didn't think he would be the guy to implement this. Now I think what they're looking at, too, guys, is a significant rebuild or retool because uh, you're looking at the fact that their, their leader – Patrice Bergeron's likely going to retire after uh, a brilliant career. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Matt Grizzlick, and Mike Riley, three of their top six defensemen, are going to be out sizable time from off-season surgeries. Brad Marchand, maybe their best forward, he's going to be out till at least uh, December, January, and if he even comes back full guns blazing from his uh, hip procedures. Long story short here is... That's kind of the way now they're looking for a rebuild or a significant reboot. And they want to play the younger players. So they probably felt that Cassidy was not the guy to coach a rebuild and implement, even though the Bruins don't have a wealth of young players. There are some that I think maybe were browbeaten a little bit because Cassidy has this reputation of being hard on young players. Long story short, now was the time probably to make the move. It saves their ass in the meantime, and it gives them, and I think, a fair enough excuse to bring in a new coach who works better with the youngsters, hence the reboot, retool, whatever you want to call it, of the Bruins uh, starts from there. They probably just didn't think Cassidy would be the guy to do it. So if the thought is that Bruce Cassidy is grading on the younger players, then it sounds like he comes to the right place in Vegas where he has – a core of guys where four of them have been captains in the NHL at one yes. time or another. It's a lot of veteran leadership. The one exception is Jack Eichel. Uh, Jack's 25. Yes, he's been in a, a more of a veteran spot, but how do you see that relationship? Because it feels to me like getting the most out of Jack Eichel is really the biggest mission for the new coach. Yeah, I, I would agree. And the irony of all that, too, was that, you know, <laughs> Jack Eichel had said on a Boston TV show over a year ago while he was recovering from his neck surgery that, you know, he would love the idea of playing for the Bruins since his hometown team. Well, now Cassidy gets to coach him anyway. So, you know, six degrees of separation being what it is. Um, I, I would say that that's, that's an agreeable thing. I, I think he look, he, he didn't great necessarily on the veteran guys in Boston and even to the younger guys that were, like, really good, like a Charlie McAvoy, a David Pasternak, I think he kind of left them sort of alone, so to speak. But it was the other younger guys that uh, really had issues, like a Jake DeBrus. But back to the Eichel thing, obviously, uh, you know, now he'll be in the, the system for a year. Uh, Cassidy obviously knows him from going against him with Buffalo for, uh, for, for several seasons. So I think that's going to be uh, a key as well. Um, obviously, with Vegas last year uh, collapsing a bit down the stretch, injuries I know were a big part. Hopefully, Stone uh, will be able to come back. Uh, I don't think they're as strong 
at the goaltending spot, so they need to shore that up. And when the Bruins are healthy defensively, Vegas healthy defense core, maybe a wash, slight lean towards Boston. But uh, with Petrangelo and McNabb, there's a pretty good uh, defense core to work there. So you're right. I think he's got more veteran leadership to work with, a more veteran-ready team. Uh, and obviously uh, getting Eichel up to his standards, that's going to be key for Vegas this coming year. So we have the Stanley Cup final right now between a veteran-laden Tampa Bay team and a younger but still veteran in terms of experience Colorado Avalanche squad. And it looked like Colorado was going to roll through in games one and two. Not surprising to see the champs fight back in game three, but that said, do you think the Tampa Bay Lightning can win three out of the next four games against the Avalanche? Because I think that is a tall order. It is tall, but... (laughs) Hey, I've come to never doubt that team. I mean, we've saw it, you know, in the series against Toronto. They fell down. They came back. They were down 2-0 against the Rangers. They came back in that series. Now, again, I think the Avalanche are the best team Tampa's faced, and there's no doubt about that. And they're the fastest team that Tampa's faced. But, again, it's the heart of the champion. I think Tampa got a lot of buzz last night when Sorelli drove to the net and the puck basically slipped off his stick and it beat Kemper. But still, that to me was uh, something that was missing in the first couple of games. So if they could continue to be aggressive towards Tampa, and uh, even uh, Corey Perry, I think, said it to, to Emily Kaplan before the game last night, we have to stay in front of them. So basically, you don't want to, this is like you know a football formation. If you've got the speedy receivers, you got to have your DBs and linebackers be in front of them or else they'll run havoc going deep ball all the time. So I thought they did a better job with that last night. And to slow down a team like Colorado, you have to be more physical. So I think as this series goes on, I've been doubtful all along for Colorado, not because they're not immensely talented, but because they don't have a Vasilevsky in net. At one time they did in a... Patrick Waugh, but that was many years ago. The point being is, as this series will go on, I think Vasilevsky will get better as his trend continues. Will Colorado be able to you know, withstand that? So it'll be interesting to see. I think this ultimately becomes a, a six-game, if not seven-game series. Tampa's going to have to ultimately win one in the altitude in Denver but uh, I would not sell the champ short by any stretch. Zeke Fricasse, one of the stars of SiriusXM NFL Channel, SiriusXM NHL Channel. What are you guys doing uh, in and around the Stanley Cup on the NHL Channel? Uh, they got, uh, what is it, I think Dennis Bernstein is, is on there. Um, David Pagnotta also does the fourth period. So they've had some shows originating from both uh, Tampa and Denver. I'm based, out of, obviously, out of New York City, as you know. So be hitting up that channel on my weekly Dryden versus Cheever's spot with Mick Curran, twelve twenty Eastern. So if you got old nostalgia guys, you know who Dryden and Cheevers were back in the day. Zig, let's close out uh, back to the Golden Knights and coaches. First of all, what do you think of the job that Gallant did, and did you see some warts that worry you with the Rangers about them, you know, breaking through and getting to a Stanley Cup Finals? I thought Gerard did a <clears throat> excuse me, Steve. I thought Gerard did a hell of a job. I've always been a fan of his, even from his time with uh, Florida, uh, and obviously this was, I, I thought, let's not sell David Quinn short, the guy who 
by the way, is interviewing for the Bruins job and some others, the former BU coach. I thought had this team going in the right direction, but then we all know what happened with Dolan, uh, you know, with his his rhetoric in that uh, game against the Capitals, which basically cost Quinn and John Davidson his job. But back to Gallant, I think they picked up from what they did, uh, got better use out of those young players. However, Steve, his decision to bench Kako in Game 6 is still being talked about in New York for, you know, putting in uh, Rooney and some of these other kind of grit guys, which he thought. So he's, he's going to have to live that down. But now they've got to take that next step for the youngsters. But they also have guys like Kopp and the other guys that they brought in via uh, the trade market. They're going to become free agents. I don't know if the Rangers are going to be able to hold them all. So they could face some personnel losses. Would they take a step back this year? It's entirely possible. And I think there's a little bit of a question, as wonderful as Shosturkin was, was this a one-trick pony, or does he become the second coming of Hendrik Lundqvist? Only time's going to tell on that one. Zig, i got a minute left. I wanted you to comment on Pete DeBoer getting the Stars job. I know Adam Candy, my co-host, thought that DeBoer should have remained the coach of the Golden Knights. Do you like the match, DeBoer and the Stars? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm not really a DeBoer guy, but I mean, he's gotten a couple of teams to finals, so there's got to be something right. They're a more defensive-oriented team. He seems to be more of a defensive-type coach, and I think it's 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 a good fit for them. Uh, there's some good leadership there in Dallas. They got some major personnel questions they need to answer. But uh, I'm okay with the DeBoer hire in Dallas. All right. When are you taking a vacation? I feel like you work all the time. Take a break. <laughs> what the hell's going on uh, here? My birthday's coming up in July, so I'll be going on vacation then. All right. When are you coming to Vegas? I saw some chatter on a text that you guys, uh, all the Sports Fan Radio Network guys, wanted to do a reunion. <laughs> oh, and, uh, yeah. Did you, you got in on that, huh? Yeah. yeah. It would be great to have a, a reunion sometime. Dude, the last two times I've tried to go to Vegas, the unfortunate event with Mandalay, the, which was oh the boy. week before the Vegas played their uh, first hockey game. And then two years ago, COVID. So it's been beyond my control, hopefully sometime in the next year, my friend. And then we'll go to Ellis Island and pick out. Yes, we will. Yes. Zig, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Always good to be with you. I wanted to make sure that you mentioned a place that's still around. We had that whole conversation last week, Andy, about all the places that have uh, – you know, have gone uh, under, been bought, all the bars. So uh, Ellis Island is a classic. And uh, Zig Fracassi, known back then as Frank Andrews on Sports Fan Radio Network, he is a classic. Unique character there, Andy. Hey, man. As long as you know I'm here, <laughs> I'll <laughs> live with it. it. It happens. I get Keith. I get Scott all the time. You know, these things happen. People hear Adam Candy, and they they don't like the Adam part, so they replace it with Andy. It's fine. I, I don't I don't mind. I'm not picky about these things. As the listeners know, I have no ego whatsoever. That is funny. I don't like the Adam part either. 